Chapter Seven of the Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Ruhi Huck. The Lonely Lady of Grosvenor Square by Mrs. Henry de la Pasture. Chapter Seven, The Call mrs weller had entertained a small party of friends at an early luncheon but when the clock struck half-past three she began to hope that they would not linger unduly over their coffee and cigarettes in the drawing-room as they seemed much inclined to do lest her programme for the afternoon be disarranged the butler who was entirely in his employer's confidence on such matters was also growing uneasy he knew that mrs weller had an important engagement at the other end of town and he did not see how she would be able to keep it and be home again in time for her bridge party at half-past four unless some sort of a move were made but then neither did he see how he could hurry the duchess away he had already announced her grace's carriage in a confidential whisper not to interrupt more than was necessary her grace's animated conversation with mr weller and the duchess said thank you and went on talking to her host as though nothing had happened of the other ladies one was intending to walk and being the least important of the three did not like to make the first move and the other having no horses to consider but a motor which conveyed her so quickly from one spot to another that she had some ado to fill up her afternoon in proportion was not sorry to dawdle over her cigarette a little longer than usual the butler being an adept at reading his lady's most expressionless face decided as a desperate remedy to admit callers though mrs weller was never at home to anybody except by appointment save one or two intimates whose names were specially registered in the butler's brain thus it came about that jean was presently ushered into the presence of eight ladies and gentlemen seated round the spacious room and into the midst of a buzz of conversation with the loud announcement of her name brought to a sudden though a momentary pause for the space of a single second eight pairs of eyes glanced curiously towards the smiling dimpling blushing countenance of the timid visitor jean was abashed almost to faintness yet the room and its occupants were instantly impressed upon her consciousness even as she paused hesitating upon the threshold a stately room with red walls dark pictures a quantity of gilding many mirrors and a polished slippery floor one old bald-headed gentleman two tall middle-aged gentlemen and one young rather small fair gentleman a stout short commanding-looking lady with a curled grey front and a red face talking in a very loud voice to the bald gentleman and holding long-handled glasses to her short-sighted eyes this was the duchess a thin lady in rough tweed with a tartan blouse and an air of great distinction this was the lady who did not feel important enough to get up and go away though she and mrs weller and the butler all wished that the party might come to an end an exquisite languid lady in flowing draperies and a gainsborough headpiece who was the owner of the motor brougham and a lady to whom the only epithet that could be applied was the word smart and this was mrs weller though it did not occur to jean as a possibility that the lady of the house even at an early and informal luncheon could be wearing a hat in her own drawing-room 
Mrs. Weller was smart, and she was nothing else in particular, neither kind nor cross in temper, neither warm nor icy in disposition, neither interested nor bored by life in general. Even her appearance was of the negative order, though it varied considerably with the changes of fashion. When waists were worn high, she was short-waisted. When low, her body grew miraculously longer. Her abundant hair had been fair, until straw-coloured hair became too expensive, when it blushed a modest titan red, which was darkened by easy stages into brown. Presently, as she grew older, a few silver threads would certainly appear, for Mrs. Weller had a strong sense of the fitness of things, and nothing would have induced her to allow her hair to turn white in a single night, though when the time came, a coiffure a la Marie Antoinette, with dark eyebrows and lashes to form an agreeable contrast, would probably not be wanting. Yet she contrived to avoid all unpleasant obviousness of the artificial, presenting only, so to speak, her picturesqueness to the public, and keeping her methods modestly in the background, as becomes a true artist. From habit, Mrs. Weller never made an engagement without writing it down, so she kept her memory clear for facts concerning that portion of humanity in which she was chiefly interested. Her mind was stored with their names, their relationships recognized or unrecognized, their doings and their undoings, and the approximate value of their social or financial status. Racing and card playing received a large share of her conscious attention entertaining visiting slumming and theatre going had become almost mechanical processes without referring to her engagement book she could hardly have told what she had been doing on the previous day her mind deprived of sufficient repose learned to rest though her body was in action and remained blank very often whilst her person was being rushed from one function to another whilst her lips were smiling and her well-trained tongue uttering short platitudes it required something out of the ordinary to arrest her real attention. Jean's appearance was something out of the ordinary, and for a moment Mrs. Weller's mechanism of politeness ceased to work in consequence. Then, recovering her presence of mind and recognizing the butler's strategy at one at the same moment, she advanced to meet her unknown visitor, who was so obviously unable to distinguish her hostess that general conversation was immediately and politely resumed to give her an opportunity of explaining herself nevertheless the butler had triumphed for the admittance of an afternoon caller produced the anticipated effect good gracious said the duchess looking across the room at the empire clock and not perceiving that the hands were pointing to twenty minutes past twelve i had no idea it was so late i must fly now you will promise to consider what i have been saying mr weller it is persons like yourself to whom we look in this matter practical business-like men mr weller who was on the stock exchange and who desired rather to be considered fashionable than business-like gave a somewhat sickly smile and declared himself already convinced by the arguments of the duchess the more warmly because she gave some evidence of a desire to repeat them all over again from the beginning whilst he was engaged in combating this inclination by recapitulating them himself as rapidly as possible mrs weller shook hands with jean and said how do you do in an uncertain puzzled voice it was then that jean found courage to utter the remark which she had rehearsed to herself at intervals ever since the announcement of the weller's arrival in town had appeared in the morning post 
i am very glad to see you mrs weller and i hope you are feeling a little more settled by this time mrs weller the heartfelt kindness of her tone and careful repetition of mrs weller's name were due to jean's determination to follow her model as closely as possible she reproduced the rector's wife with great exactness but mrs weller's astonishment at this address was so painfully obvious that jean was obliged to descend into a stammering explanation in her own person i live at ninety-nine over the way said jean the house belonged to my aunt miss marney of orset and she is dead and i am living there all alone till my brother comes home i i saw in the papers that you had only just arrived so being such a near neighbour i, I thought i would come and see you oh indeed said mrs weller speechless the brown eyes grew larger and the red cheeks turned white i am afraid i must have done something wrong or unusual after all said jean mrs weller's vacant expression offered so little consolation that she looked round almost wildly as though for a means of escape from the situation into which her ignorance had betrayed her her glance fell upon the face of the young gentleman whose conversation with mrs weller her entrance had interrupted he was so close that he must have heard the greetings which had been exchanged between his hostess and her uninvited guest and jean thought he looked rather sorry for her her brown eyes conveyed to him the unconscious appeal for help the young man responded instantly to that mute almost despairing look and flung himself gallantly into the breach ninety-nine was my father's old house he said in a very gentle and courteous tones will you introduce me to miss Chum? chum chum with a polite mumble to cover his ignorance of jean's name the duke of monaghan said mrs wheeler's mechanical tongue before she remembered that she did not know in the least to whom she was presenting her visitor oh said jean she forgot her embarrassment in her surprise and delight are you really the little boy who fell down the nursery staircase i am indeed said the duke his blue eyes regarded her with an expression in which mirth and melancholy held equal shares but i was told you were crippled for life she said ingeniously not quite as bad as that he turned the conversation dexterously did i not hear you say that miss marney of orset was your aunt my great-aunt my father had the honour of claiming cousinship with her said the duke politely yes she told me she bought the house from him but then we are we must be related too said jean and her face returning to its natural colour looked quite happy and animated again i hope so said the duke with a little bow which she thought rather charming but very old-fashioned in a boy of his years louis never bowed like that here there was a general movement among the company and every one advanced to take leave of mrs weller who was listening petrified to this conversation the duke springing from his seat as his hostess rose moved a pace or two forward and jean saw that he was lame poor little heir jean conscious of her own rustic strength and ruddy health felt very sorry for the duke he was still rather little scarcely taller than herself slight and fair and absurdly delicate looking she thought for a man jean had but one standard for manhood in her heart and the duke fell grievously short of it louise at twenty years old when she had seen him last in the very flower and perfection of his youth had measured six foot one in his stockings she thought of his broad chest his lithe slender form and active springing gait 
his strong muscular brown hands and sunburnt face poor sickly duke so little and weak and lame and colouring like a girl with a mere effort of speaking to a stranger jeanne forgot her own shyness in the warm pity which filled her heart good-bye dear i had such a delightful conversation with your dear good man i could hardly tear myself away i have been boring him quite too dreadfully said the duchess meaning to be playful and unaware that she was emphasizing an unhappy truth denise i am going to walk mother said the duke the duchess looked vexed with another gallant effort causing yet a fresh variation from pallor to redness of his unfortunately tell-tale complexion the young man boldly presented jeanne to his parent explaining the connection very clearly and briefly as he did so a new cousin dear me how charming said the duchess looking rather disapprovingly at jeanne through her glasses do come and see me i never understand relationships it is quite hopeless you know for a stupid person like myself i am generally in after five well if you won't come denise i must go alone she turned once more to her hostess good-bye dear it has been too nice seeing you again don't forget wednesday at four and i shall depend on you for all the prettiest things on our stall mrs weller assured her that she would not forget mr weller escorted her grace downstairs and the rest of the party gradually melted away the duke in his turn shook hands and jeanne watched him limping across the great room with much concern lest he should slip and fall upon the polished floor she came to herself with a start observing that mrs weller was obviously waiting for her too to take leave and depart though she did not speak until the door had closed behind the duke i am afraid i must ask you to excuse me pray don't think me rude but i have an engagement she said with more civility than she would have shown perhaps had the duke not been so good-natured as to claim cousinship with his rather shabby stranger but still without any kindness in her voice jeanne was too obviously a nobody too rustic in appearance and manner to make her a possible acquaintance for mrs weller let her be related to whom she would mrs weller knew the duchess of monaghan well and was acquainted with all her ways she had a loud and hearty manner and was always as gracious to nobodies as only really great ladies can afford to be and she always asked them to go and see her after five and then forgot all about them they generally went and then they heard that the duchess was not at home and derived what satisfaction they might from leaving their humble cards and there was an end of it if she had really wished to seek the further acquaintance of her new cousin she would have asked her to lunch thought the experienced mrs weller so she was civil but not impressive when she begged jeanne to excuse her oh i will go at once mrs weller cried jeanne she was distressed but there were no servants present to make her nervous and in her eyes mrs weller was a woman almost old enough to be her mother who would surely now that they were alone be too kind to be angry when she knew that her visitor had only trespassed through ignorance and was sincerely penitent please forgive me mrs weller said poor rustic jeanne who had no idea how this constant repetition of her name jarred upon the well-trained instincts of her hostess who was as full of conventional good-breeding as she was empty of emotions 
in the country where i was brought up our rector's wife used to call upon neighbours directly they arrived and i thought it was the same in london i am afraid it is all wrong and i have done something dreadful i saw it in all your faces somehow as i came in and i could have sunk through the floor mrs weller but i am lonely at home and hoped i was going the right way to make a few friends by being neighbourly and paying calls she looked anxiously into the impassive face what odd fishy eyes had mrs weller thought poor jean they looked through you and at the wall beyond as though you were transparent or not there at all it would be very kind of you to explain why it was wrong mrs weller she faltered and she realized that with every word she had spoken mrs weller had grown less interested though her vague civility of tone and manner never faltered i am afraid i have really no time for explanations she was walking to the fireplace of course i quite understand it was a mistake her hand on the bell pray think no more of it she rang twice would you like a cab sent for oh do you have a carriage she looked at the servant who entered and this time her expressionless countenance spoke and dumbly directed him to show the unwelcome guest out as speedily as might be jean found herself walking down the grand staircase wrapped as it were in a cloud of shame and mortification the duke's lameness caused him perhaps to move very slowly he was still in the hall where the invaluable butler was carefully fitting him into his fur coat his closely cropped head emerged from the black astrachan collar looking very small and very fair and he held his hat in his hand and bowed politely to jean as she passed hurriedly by she scarcely saw him the burning red of her cheeks and the glistening of tears on her downcast black lashes caused him to divine that she had obtained scant comfort from her explanation with mrs weller he limped to the front door and looked after her in a hesitating undecided manner before asking for a hansom for jean instead of waiting decorously upon the steps of the mansion for the late miss marney's massive equipage to be drawn up before the front door flew past the astonished servants past the yet more astonished william who was standing on the pavement with the rug over his arm and ran to the spot where buckham and the fat horses were sleepily waiting halfway down the square she ran she flew and she opened the door for herself she scrambled into the carriage and hid herself as quickly as she could within its friendly shelter poor william rug on arm saw nothing for it but to pocket his dignity and run after her as fast as he could but he was not young and he was little accustomed to running so that jean had a moment's breathing space in which to collect her scattered wits and gather up her failing powers before he arrived panting at the door of the brougham drive me home at once she said with a courage born of despair i am i am ill at least i am tired and i can't go any further to-day william touched his hat and mounted the box she took and run like a lamplighter and then she said she was ill he said in deep amazement to his fellow jean held her head high as she descended at her own front door and walked through the hall into the morning-room but directly the door was shut behind her she sank upon the couch and wept tears of humiliation 
i must never let louise know he would be ashamed of me oh how could i be such a fool the sister of an officer and a gentleman she might have been a little nicer and me in mourning if anybody in the kindness of their heart dropped in to see me would i treat them so her tears relieved her a little but alas the lady of the house even though she be a lonely lady cannot weep at will she cried with one eye so to speak on the door lest hewitt should come in and make up the fire before she had done and presently crept to her room to remove all traces of her tears before dunham should arrive to put away her outdoor things dunham had sternly insisted that jean must now be waited upon as beseemed the head of a household so magnificent consequently the aged maid climbed the steep staircase for the purpose of hanging up in the wardrobe the little black hat and jacket which jean could just as easily have put away for herself and for taking out of it the plain black gown which was only one of two that had been purchased as mourning for miss marney but it pleased dunham to maintain this semblance of an occupation and jean was very willing to give her pleasure and indeed thankful for her company on any pretext that she might indulge herself in the luxury of conversation as she mounted the nursery staircase in haste to be beforehand with dunham upon this occasion she cast a glance of pitying recollection at the little white gate and thought of the young man who was paying a life penalty for one woman's carelessness he was very good and he had nice blue eyes with a kind funny expression she thought but oh i shall never be able to think of the little heir again in the same way he must always have been fair and gentle and not at all my idea of a man i thought of a sturdy beautiful laughing boy like louise used to be oh i wish i could tell somebody what i have done this day i know i shall lie awake all night thinking what a fool i have made of myself it would be a relief to even tell mrs dunham but she struggled bravely against the temptation oh dear oh dear but i must keep it secret if only for the sake of louise and because i am a de corset then she tried vainly to comfort herself after all it was only a mistake she looked up at the simpering disdainful face of the comtesse anne marie which now smiled upon her from the wall of her bedroom where she had ventured now that the house belonged to louise to suspend the triple frame of miniatures mrs weller would not have turned you away from her door she said proudly as soon as dunham appeared and after the fashion of womankind jean played round the edge of the secret she was determined not to betray who do you think i met to-day mrs dunham i'm sure i can't say ma'am said dunham who having already heard from william of her young lady's extraordinary exit from one twenty nine grosvenor square was burning with curiosity as to the why and the wherefore of such behaviour the little boy who fell down the nursery staircase here he is not a cripple but slightly lame he is grown up now but he is still not very big and looks very delicate for a man the duke of monaghan well to be sure i dare say you mentioned ma'am that the old rooms was kept just as they was i had very little conversation with him said jean rather hastily i was very sorry for him though and she added to herself and he looked a little sorry for me sorry for him ma'am it's not dukes and such like as usually calls for sorrow said dunham rather shocked if you had seen him mrs dunham you would have been sorry for him too 
he is so delicate looking and so fair that he blushes like a girl of course he is only a boy and i dare say he may be very shy the accident happened over twenty years ago ma'am i can't quite think him so young as all that said dunham rather stiffly is it possible then he must be as old as louise when he left home how dreadful for beside him he would look as though a breath might blow him away i don't mean he isn't very nice looking in his way mrs dunham but if a man is not straight and strong and active i don't see what he's fit for said jean whose views of mankind were strictly limited to the horizon of louis well ma'am there's many things he's fit for and if you ask me said dunham with an increase of asperity a duke is a duke and you may depend on it his grace would find plenty of strong active men only too thankful to stand in his shoes even if one of them is filled with a lame foot his grace is that what he is called said jean it sounds very pretty but somehow more appropriate for a nobleman of the olden time in a court suit and a powdered wig than for just an ordinary young man with a black coat and a bunch of violets in his buttonhole dukes is not ordinary men ma'am said dunham reproachfully i was brought up to respect my betters do you think that his title makes him your better said jean thoughtfully yes ma'am i do said dunham who had the courage of her opinions i am no radical church and state is what i always says if his ancestors wasn't no better than mine it stands to reason they wouldn't have been made dukes there is something in that mrs dunham and i am glad you like titles so much for i have always thought them prettier than plain names myself but uncle roberts is a radical and he says he despises them most likely your uncle roberts has never come across them miss said dunham snorting i don't know that he has said jean rather crestfallen people as has them is glad enough to wear them ma'am knowing well enough it gives them a right to be respected more than common folk are folk who have titles so much more respected than other folks unless they are great really great i mean in other ways as well said jean rather doubtfully living with uncle roberts i have never realized that he always speaks of them as though he were rather sorry for them than otherwise and louise never said anything about it suddenly her face lit up with pleasure but now that louise is rich perhaps he will be able to buy back the chateau de corset and the land that belonged to his ancestors and claim his right to be called the marquis de corset you would like to hear him call that mrs dunham wouldn't you i can't say i should miss jane not but why said jean in surprise well ma'am since you ask me i have no opinion of foreign titles an honest english marquis is a very different thing to a foreign marquis why is it different asked jean in a mortified tone i can't say why but so it is ma'am people think nothing of it in fact if anything they think the worse of you i hope the captain will be satisfied to stop as he is for if he goes calling himself a marquis or anything of that kind it's my opinion said dunham firmly that as likely as not wherever the poor young gentleman goes he'll be taken for an adventurer or an impostor and get suspected of being no better than he should end of chapter 7